If you are able, would you stand for the reading of God's infallible and inerrant word, a word that is always true and is always important for our instruction, upbuilding, and direction. From the Gospel of Matthew, from the fifth chapter, the great, a portion of that great Sermon on the Mount, these words, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. O Lord, touch us in a powerful way in the depths of our hearts. With this, your holy word. Amen. You know, I'm sure that our brothers and sisters, Christians, and there are many there that we sometimes forget are there, that that our brothers and sisters, Christians in, in Britain and who look and see more people in a mosque on Sunday on a Saturday than they see in churches on a Sunday. Do you know that? Now, England is by no means a predominantly Muslim country. Historically, it was a Christian country. And they... Uh, in their ordering of their government, it declares that Christianity is the one true religion. Our forefathers did not know that, do that. I sometimes wonder about that. But, but, but in fact, while that is in the law, very few committed Christians in that country. Many of the great cathedrals are being closed. The same is true in France. And in Germany, and in fact in Europe, many of the great churches have been purchased by the Muslims. It's been the case here. I don't know if it was a great church or not, but it was purchased by the Muslims and turned into Islamic centers. And we look at American culture and we wonder what on the world is going on. Uh, uh, Duke University kicks young life off of campus and makes room for all other kinds of organizations of the Muslim faith and of uh, uh, so-called uh, uh, gay groups and, 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 and excludes Orthodox Christianity. And we wonder, what is, why is this happening? What is happening to our society? And who's at fault? Who really at the bottom is at fault? The Pew Research Center, which is a research center that I do respect, their, their uh, surveys are very seldom slanted. Their surveys make a great effort to get to the truth. Recently did a survey on the number of adults in the United States that identify themselves as Christians. Ten years ago, it was 74%. 
this past year, 2019, when the study was done, it had dropped to 65%. And we wonder, why is the Christian faith not having a greater impact on our culture? Well, the truth is that the Christian faith is a declining faith in this country. Did you know that? Were you aware of that? Uh, more and more people, when they're asked their religious affiliation, identify as secular. One of our deacons was telling me that a place that he did business with, and uh, I've done business with, that the owner has, has, uh, has on their car, be secular. I bought my last product from them, incidentally. I mean, they may be a nice, wonderful person, but, but the reality of it is, folks, is that that the reason we are seeing our country becoming less and less Christian is because it is indeed, in fact, becoming less and less Christian. Do you know that? I know it. And it's the truth. And so you begin to analyze why is that the case? Who is at fault? And and we certainly may point to sinners that, uh, that uh, would lead people away from Christianity or would deny it. <coughs> uh, and, and, and the universities do that. And even now, many of the secondary schools do that. But, but uh, uh, that is not really the source of the problem. I think that is a symptom of the problem. I've told everyone, told someone this past week, that I pastor the greatest church in America. Not the biggest. Incidentally, large churches do not equal success. Numbers alone do not equal success in a church. Don't ever fall into that trap. But this is a wonderful church, and it's got so much going for it. It's a loving, redemptive community. We've all experienced that. Not just when we're good, but when we're bad. It's a wonderful place where uh, the people, not only the preacher, but the people faithfully teach God's Word. And incidentally, Pierre, thank you for preaching for me last Sunday. And you may not know it, but you blessed many people. And thank all of you that fill in for me. You faithfully teach God's Word. And that, that is not uh, something we take for granted today in the world. And, and we have a mission program that, that is reaching out. And I pray it's going to grow because that's part of God's plan. We have uh, wonderful youth ministries and teachings. And, and I mean just everywhere, Denisha, everywhere you can point to all of the great things that are happening. But there is one thing gravely, and I say that word gravely with seriousness, that is lacking at Lakeview. And it is a mark that shows in one aspect that we are not being faithful. I told one of the deacons today we might not like hearing what we're going to hear today. 
but we are going to hear it. The reason that the Christian faith is in retreat in America is because not of the secular forces, but because of the unfaithfulness of the church of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not just talking about Lakeview. I'm talking about most churches. The unfaithfulness of the people of God to take up the calling of God, the primary calling of God, and that is to make disciples of lost people. And I can be blunt this morning, and I may cut you to the heart, but I hope I do. I I dare say that there are many people sitting here this day who this past week have sought to share the gospel and to lead a person to Jesus Christ at all. Now, you know if that's true in your heart or not, don't you? Oh, we've lived a holy life and people have seen our good works and glorified God maybe. But, but, but to be the light of the world that touches and changes lives is not the focus of most churches and most people in the churches. Paul asked dramatically in Romans about the lost world. He said, how shall they hear without a preacher? And it's not just me that is vocation to minister, but, but all of us are to be witnesses of the gospel. If you go to that closing portion of the gospel of Matthew where Jesus is telling the disciples what to do, uh, on his, he says, go into all the world and make disciples. Yes, We must absolutely go to China. Yes, we must absolutely go to Africa. Yes, we must absolutely go to the Dominican Republic. But we must also go to Lakeview and to Burlington and to Elon. You have people you love. I've got a brother. You all know that story. He was the most moral and virtuous of all and yet has never confessed Christ as his Savior. He's got cancer. His son said, what daddy's got, though, is worse than cancer. You know that? All of us have loved ones that if they died tonight would not be in heaven. Isn't that true? How long has it been since you've encouraged them to Jesus? Some people say, well, I love the Lord. I never see him at church, any church. Now, if you love the Lord, you're going to be in church. I'm sorry. Um, do you have to go to church to be saved? No. But if you're saved, you'll go to church. There's an effect. Because you love Christ, and Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And you know that's where God's real ministry will take place and from where it will emanate into the world. That's why you go. I'm going to be preaching the next several Sundays upon evangelism. We're going to touch how we do it personally. We're going to touch how we do it as a Sunday school class. We're going to touch how we do it as a congregation. We're going to clearly see God's call over Lakeview. We need to be reaching lost people every time we can, everywhere we can. I went to the post office this week down in, in uh, McLean. I had received a letter from a, an old uncle 
I mean, he, he sucks money out of me all the time. And, and this old uncle told me that he needed more money, that I had not sent enough to him. Uh, his my Uncle Sam. I don't know if you have the same uncle or not. <laughs> so I go down to mail him that, that, that money. And it uh, wasn't a lot, praise God. But, but I went down to mail him that money. And I was coming out of the, out of the uh, post office. And I met this lady, very well-dressed lady. And uh, she said... Uh, well, uh, you're not from around here, are you? I don't know. He gave me away. I had overalls on just like the rest of the men. But so I said, I said uh, no, ma'am. I'm building a home that someday when the Lord's through with me, wherever I'm at, I'm going to retire to if I live that long. And she said, and my claim is a little bitty place, you know. And she says, well, why would anyone want to live here? It's so small. There's nothing going on. Says, says uh, what are you going to do when you get here? She must have been having a bad morning. I don't know. I said, well, when I get here, I'm going to love my neighbors. And when I get here, I'm going to get every opportunity, take every opportunity I have to show the love of Jesus to somebody. You should have seen the shock on that woman's face. But I did it, didn't I? Didn't I? And I trust that maybe God will plant that seed in that woman's soul and she'll find out there's more to to life than garden parties and nightclubs. Because I bet you a dollar, if you look at her, that's where she lives for. I could be wrong. But I knew Jesus wasn't the focus. I have people in this in this town that I am praying for, that I talk to, and I'm just seeking God to bring them in to a living faith relationship. One of them says he believes in God but never comes to church. I want to see him sitting in that church with his grandchildren down the road. Been by to see him a few times and hadn't caught him at home. At least I don't think he was home. The world is in the shape that it's in and particularly in America because you and I have not been consciously and intently sharing the light of Jesus Christ with our lost neighbors and family. And don't tell me you are. Now, some of you are. There are some here who are. But for the most part, we are not. And how do I know that? Because I never see a stranger sitting with you. Jesus saved you to reproduce. Did you know that? He saved you to be the light that will come into other people's lives and bring them to the knowledge of salvation. And any day that you let that pass by without seeking and and praying for the opportunity to do that, you're out of his will. Mike, could we put up the uh, quote I had, please? Everybody knows how much I love Dr. Spurgeon. Can't wait to get to heaven and see him. Probably talked to him for about a thousand years. But he said this in one of his sermons at the great church in London. It says that every Christian is either a missionary, and by that he means a person who's doing what a missionary does, carrying the gospel to lost people. Every person is either a missionary or... An imposter. 
Now, what's an imposter? An imposter is something that appears to be something that it is not. And I, I don't fault you people, and I don't fault a lot of churches, because a lot of churches have never been told that. But the Lord's going to take me home one of these days. I hope it's tonight. But he's going to take me home. But as long as I have breath, I'm going to tell God's people God's truth. Now, I'm not a great person. I'm a wicked sinner just like you. But I've heard the gospel and I believe it, do you? And I want to tell you this. Only pretend Christians are uninvolved in seeking the lost. The greatest joy in my life, dear friends, is being used of God to touch a person who does not know the Savior and seeing them come to know Him. As I was preparing this message, my mind raced back through 50 years of being saved. And my mind went to faces I could see. Some who are now with the Lord. My, my mind went to the face of my dear friend Steve Vargo. He was a kind of ugly guy, but, but, but uh, how lost he was and, and becoming his friend. And even when he insulted me, seeing the grace of God take hold of him, apart from anything I had done but through God's sovereign power, and seeing him come to Christ. That'll last. You know, the first part of this new building was put up when I was here the first time. Back when I was young, good-looking, had lots of hair. And, and, and I've been a part of, we built a marvelous new building in, in, uh, in, in, in Parkman, Ohio. It's a, a Cadillac church in a way in terms of buildings. And, and I've done that several places, you know. Uh, but you know what? Someday, the, the, even with this building here, who we all love, someday the, there won't be one stone left standing on another. That's the way it is with time. Did you know that? Oh, it may last 500 years, but sooner or later. But let me tell you something. Those people that have come to a living faith relationship with Jesus Christ because I had a concern for them spiritually and for their salvation, they will last forever. Do you know that kind of joy? Have you known it? There's a person here who took me by the hand many years ago when I came back for a visit and said to me, he said, because of you and your wife, I found out what real faith was about. Oh, that's glory, my friends. That's joy. Because you know that you, at least at a few places, have accomplished what Christ intended for you. Now, we may go a bit longer today. Nothing outside these walls are more important than what happens within these walls, you know. Because you got something more important to do in hearing God's truth. Get up and go do it now. Don't wait on me. Dearest friends, my prayer for you, for you,
for all of us is that we will take the light of Jesus Christ given to us that has saved us, that has given us our lasting joy, has given us our only hope, and we will share that light with those people that are walking in darkness who are, unless something happens in their life, are going to spend eternity in hell. Now, if you've got any concern before the Lord more important than that, I want to hear it. I want you to show me in Scripture where that's more important. You can't. You can't. I saw a beautiful testimony about a member of this church on Facebook this week. It wasn't their testimony. Somebody had written them and, and thanked them for bringing them to church. That took effort. Because they're not going to hear the gospel on CBS. There are some churches, so-called, in this town where you're not going to hear the gospel. But whether it's me or Pierre or Ronnie Page or whomever, you will hear the gospel at Lakeview. And that's the only thing that brings life. my work here is done I hope that this church will be known as a lighthouse to people that were lost there is an old hymn Elizabeth and I heard it on on uh, Bible Broadcasting Network we listened to it all across Alabama and uh, and it was a song, let the lower lights be burning, send a gleam across the way. Some poor fainting, dying seaman, you may rescue, you may save. That song was written about something that happened in Cleveland, Ohio, and I lived in, near Cleveland for a long while. And, and you know, Lake Erie, any, any merchant marine uh, uh, will tell you is one of the most dangerous bodies of water in the world. It's short and narrow, not very deep, but it gets tremendous waves on it, very dangerous. And back in the days when they had the paddle wheel ships that covered that, there was a great storm came up. This is a true story. It came up one night, and it was cold and snowy and icy, and, 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 the, and they have a great lighthouse there as you come into the harbor at, at, uh, at uh, Cleveland, and, and, and they have these rock jetties because there's no real harbor there, and they've made it. It goes out, and there's an opening for ships to come in, and, and, and along that jetty way, that stone way, there were these lights that would light it up just a little bit above water level, and, and uh, they were watched after by a man whose job was to keep the lights lit. Well, this one particular snowy night, it was just too rough, too much trouble, maybe too embarrassing to get up and go. He didn't go out and light those lights, all of them. And they went out, and there was a ship coming in, and it was trying to find the gateway to the harbor. It could see the, the magnificent lighthouse, but it, but it just couldn't make out the opening, and, and, and the the things were getting worse, and, and the sh ship's captain says, well, I must get off this lake. I, I believe it is, is there. And he drove in and hit the jetty, and most on there were drowned. And a Christian reading about that 
wrote that, but it's not about a ship sinking. It's not about lives being physically lost. It is about people being eternally lost. And he says to the church, and it really is a reflection to today's very text, to the church who are the lights in the world. We're not the lighthouse. Christ is the lighthouse. We're the lights that guide to him and to his safety. He said, let the lower lights be burning. Where are those lights? Are you shining? Are you shining? Are you doing your work? Are you not? Some poor soul who needs to make the harbor. I kept preaching on a theme one time at my last church, and finally somebody said to one of the deacons, says, when's the preacher going to quit preaching on that topic? And the deacon says, well, when you start doing it. God bless deacons like that. This is, as I see it as pastor, and I think I know the church well, the one thing needful in all of us. How will it be when you become before the Lord and, and he will say, what did you bring with me, you? There's only one thing you bring with you, you know that? I'll bring Steve Vargo with me. I'll bring Jerry Weaver with me. I can name the names. Today's communion Sunday. You know what part of communion is about? It's about repentance, isn't it? It's about confessing to God our failures. I think every one of us in here today can confess the failure that we have not been lifting our light on a candlestick. We have not been engaging people that need the Lord. We've not been inviting them to come with us. We've not been loving them in Christ. And so when you confess your sins, confession always involves repentance, doesn't it? Now, the world doesn't understand what repentance is. They think it means saying you're sorry. No, no, no. It certainly means that. It means, Lord, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong, and, but it doesn't mean I want to walk away and not live, seek to your Holy Spirit power to live differently. It doesn't mean that. True repentance means turning away. Or in this case, turning to. Sins of commission, we turn away from. Sins of, of omission, that is things we ought to have done and ought not done, we turn to in repentance. Did you ever thought about it that way? Someone needs you with the most profound need a human being can have. My brother's son said to me, I'm concerned about my father's cancer, but I'm more concerned about something worse. And that something 
is his need for a living faith relationship with Jesus Christ. If you love anybody, that'll be your first concern. Every Christian, that's true of you, it's true of me, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. If there's been pretense in your life today, confess it as sin. And commit your life to being a witness to all who are in darkness of the light, of the joy, of the peace, of the hope, of all the glories we have received because of Christ. Amen. Thought you said better finish y'all's while I was never going to say that.